Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. Trading A.J. Brown created two holes in the boat. Now they're forced to sign a 31-year-old who's kind of towards the end of his career. It really looks like it solved the problem, but to me, it just amplifies the situation when you don't do something and you think you have the solution, you make the problem worse. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, it felt like this weekend was sort of a soft launch to the NFL season. The news and notes have been coming from the gridiron. It's good, man. We're almost back. We're not quite back yet. Maybe later this week when the Jets and Browns report to training camp, but uh, we're almost there, buddy. You know, I, I mean, it was interesting. Yesterday, we we were talking about Hopkins on our show. We were talking about would Evan Ingram get done. We had Mia O'Brien on, and she was talking about how close they were uh, back in March, and then it kind of fell apart. And then once we went back and decided you went into the heat and I went into the rain, all of a sudden <laughs> stuff started getting done. So we're taping this at 7.30 West Coast time, 10.30 East Coast time. We've got till 4 o'clock to see if Barkley gets done. Maybe Pollard or Josh Jacobs, the remaining franchise. But I'm not optimistic about Pollard. I mean, I'm not optimistic about Jacobs. But I do think a Barkley would get done, but we'll see. Yeah, it's funny that the theme of this entire offseason, at least from a money standpoint, has been about the running backs. And it's those three running backs who remain as the franchise tag guys who can sign those long-term extensions coming up later on this afternoon, 1 o'clock West Coast time, like Michael said, 4 o'clock Eastern. So if any news breaks, hopefully it breaks during the taping of this podcast and we can get to it. If not, We'll get to it on Thursday's episode and react to everything that happens as we kick off training camp coming up later on this week as well. We also have Blue Chips, Red Chips continues with the cornerbacks. We'll get into that coming up here in this next segment. But let's start with that DeAndre Hopkins news that we saw, Michael, yesterday. Yeah. It was two years, $26 million. Hopkins signs with the Tennessee Titans. And it sort of felt like this was coming because we all talked about how Tennessee was going to make the most aggressive offer. They felt like they had the biggest need at wide receiver. And it comes to fruition. Hopkins is reuniting with Mike Vrabel and Tim Kelly out there in Nashville. You know, I think this is another situation. The betting odds on Sunday uh, were heating up for Kansas City. And a lot of this was due to the fact that they wanted to bring Juju Schuster back, Smith Schuster back, but they couldn't afford him. And New England just made a really good offer for Smith-Schuster that, you know, Kansas City couldn't even get close to, so he had to take the money. 
I think the same thing happened here. I, I think Kansas City was in pursuit, but I think Hopkins just got way too much money for Kansas City to say significantly more than what Smith-Schuster got from New England. So on a two-year deal. But to me, this is this is one of those situations, Femi, where I call it curly in the boat. And I wrote about this in Gridiron Genius. This is one of those situations where the Three Stooges are in a rowboat and they're fishing and a fish jumps into the rowboat. And, you know, Curly gets his axe out and he's going to kill the fish in the boat and he creates a hole. And now we've got water coming in the boat. So Mo naturally tells Curly we got to let the water out. So he finds a, 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 a drill and he starts drilling another hole to let the water from the first hole out. And now he's got two holes in the boat. I think this is what happened with John Robinson. You know, trading A.J. Brown created two holes in the boat. It sunk for him. You know, by being so, you know, reticent about not bringing A.J. Brown back at 25 years old, now they're forced to sign a 31-year-old who's kind of towards the end of his career who doesn't have the same burst or a big playability that Brown had. And it really looks like it solved the problem, but to me, it it just amplifies the the situation when you don't do something and you think you have the solution, you make the problem worse. Yeah, I don't think anyone would argue that AJ Brown is a better player in 2023 than John, DeAndre Hopkins. However, I guess my only pushback with that would be that Hopkins comes at a much cheaper price, doesn't he? I mean, like Hopkins is still getting decent Not, money, well, but AJ Brown's at 100 million or whatever over five years. Well, he got $100 million over five years, but if you look at the first two years of the contract, if you look at the payout, the first two years of the contract is, is $32 million in cash. Now, he's got more guarantees, but he's younger. So when you're doing yeah. guarantees, you're saying, how long can he go? So this deal was reported to be $26 million over two. So for $6 million more cash, you could have had A.J. Brown, plus you would have had more guarantees. I'm not sure that's a, that's a, that's a, a bad deal. Like I don't think – I think to me – this is a, a deal in the sense I'll push back to your pushback. Like, who are they competing against at these numbers? New England was no way going to be at this number. No. Kansas City wasn't going to be at this number. They were competing yeah. against desperation. They were competing against their depth chart. They were competing against they don't have a receiver. That's who they were competing against. You know, you know, Burks isn't ready to play yet. I mean, think about this. The two number one receivers on their team last year, Robert Woods is in Houston, and Austin Hooper's in, in Las Vegas. I mean, they don't have anybody. Yeah. I mean, we were laughing about it before we started recording this podcast, but our producer, Elliot Bowman, brought up the point from the graphic that was put up over at the Worldwide Leader about how before they signed DeAndre Hopkins, the person in the Titans organization who had the most receiving touchdowns was Mike Vrabel. With 12. <laughs> so yeah. they didn't have anybody who was established as a pass catcher on that team. And now they bring Hopkins in for this price here. And I think the point about how they weren't competing against anyone, I think is really valid here because that's probably what had to make them sign this big deal because they felt like we need this guy more than any other team needs him. And the other teams are saying, all right, we'll wait this out. If Hopkins wants to come, he can come at our price. Hopkins clearly didn't want to go to the Chiefs or the Patriots or whoever else at those suppressed well, prices. So he gets his money here in Tennessee. Well, the criteria that he set forth uh, kind of dissipated once he knew the money. I mean, there's always a criteria that lists things, you know, winning organizations, stability, all those things. You remember that criteria? Well, let's start <laughs> every criteria with cash, right? Let's just stop pulling everybody. It's money. It's green. 
You know, it's the green stuff. That's the criteria. And that's what he did. I don't fault him for it. I mean, he's at the point of his career where, you know, he's got to take the money and, and incentive wise, he should earn it. I mean, he's going to get it. I mean, Ryan Tannehill actually now can throw the ball to somebody. Who was he throwing the ball to? I mean, they didn't even draft a receiver. They signed Chris Moore from Houston. You know, they've got Westbrook there. You know, they got Burks, who people may think he's going to become a, a bigger option. We'll see. But, you know, to me, this was one of those where they had to have him and they paid for it, which is understandable. But it all goes back to the decision of, okay, if we don't pay A.J. Brown, then what are we doing? So we get the first-round pick from Philly. But what do we get for it? We get we, we're going to get. See, this is when you don't when you don't put in when you just say I'm t- I'll take the one like it's some pot of gold and you don't ask the question. Well, who am I going to get? Like who am I getting for this pick? Like I'm trading AJ Brown for trade uh, Traylon Burks. Uh, that's not a good trade. Like that's not a good trade. You say, well, I traded him for a one. Yeah, but you got to fill in the blank on the pick. Yeah. And I guess they were hoping to do what, what Minnesota did. I know in Minnesota, they sent Stefan Diggs to Buffalo getting that extra yeah, first there round you go. pick that helped get Justin Jefferson. So I think they maybe thought that they could do that. But at least as of right now, through one season, Traylon Burks has not shown anything really. He has one receiving touchdown in his career. He's still a young player. Maybe he can improve this upcoming season and take that mother may I step forward. But he's got a long way to go before he gets anywhere close to what A.J. Brown was with Tennessee, and especially what he was last year in Philly. I mean, it's penny-wise a dollar foolish. You sit there and say, well, we'll get a younger player. This is how you work the cap. Yes, that's how you work the cap if you make sure you hit with the picks. If you, it's, Again, it goes back to the process. The process on, in paper works really well until you fuck up the picks. When you don't hit the picks, then the processes ain't worth the darn. Oklahoma's process, the Thunder, is really good. The 76ers' process was a disaster. It's all because you don't hit the picks. You don't make the right trades. You misevaluate players. Same thing with Tennessee. The, the idea of what they did was right in theory. In practice, it didn't work because they missed blew it. Now they have to pay Hopkins $26 million over two years. The process is just half of it. I think is the key point here. It's like, hey, you can get the pick. Congratulations. But what you do with it is ultimately what matters. Uh, we have a few minutes here left here in this first segment, Michael. I want to get to Evan Ingram signing with Jacksonville. They're three years, just over $41 million. Gets it a day before the deadline for franchise tag guys. He was tagged earlier this offseason. Is this something that you felt that Jacksonville needed to get done here? Because it didn't seem like it was contentious. I thought Ingram would have played on the tag or he would have played, obviously, with an extension as well. It felt like this was kind of something in quiet that Jacksonville just wanted to get done. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, when you look at uh, uh, Darren Waller's deal, he averages $17 million a year. And, and the Giants are having that, and he hasn't really played in two years. Kittle was at fifteen. Kelsey's at 14. Now, Kelsey, to me, and Ingram are very similar. You know, so they got him close to that Kelsey number, right? Three years, they got him close with the guarantee. He wanted, as Mia told us on the on the show yesterday, he wanted Njoku's money, which was averages about 13-7 per year. And, and he got that. So it was a question he was going to get a deal done. So good for him. I mean, look, I, I don't see him as a tight end. I think he's one of those players that gets gets – Effective because he's really an inside slot receiver. That's really the position he plays, inside slot receiver. He doesn't really play tight end because he doesn't block any force player, any any seven technique or a nine technique. He blocks force players, which are the corners or the safeties. So not, not that 
not that that's bad. It's just that that's not really what a tight end does. Tight end lines up on the line. He goes down the field. You know, he can block the point of attack. It's it's really because there's so many guys that can't do that. So I I think he's smart to take the deal. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal for him. He wanted to stay in Jacksonville. He was tweeting about how he was happy to be back in Jacksonville now that he has this long-term extension. So that leaves us with three guys who can sign long-term extensions who are franchise tagged early this offseason. The deadline, once again, 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific time. And I want you to rank them from most likely to get a deal done to least likely to get a deal done. We have Saquon Barkley of the Giants, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I, I think Barkley's liable to get a deal done. I think all this false bravado, I'm going to miss the first game. What's he talking about? Seriously. He's, You're he's not going to miss a game. Check. Stop. Yeah, I mean, stop. I mean, stop using the worldwide leader for promotion. Like, stop. Nobody's buying it, right? Nobody's buying it. Like, you're not going to – no, you're going to show up maybe Tuesday before the first week, but you're going to get your game check. You might miss the first game, but you're getting your game check. Let, let's put that in perspective. So yeah, all that nonsense about, that oh, I, I'm – yeah. I mean, I'm threatening to miss the first week. Bullshit. You know, of course you're going to miss the first week, but we're going to have to pay you. You're going to show up Wednesday to get your check. Why wouldn't you? You'd be stupid if you didn't do it. Yeah. You'd be Le'Veon Bell if you didn't do it. <laughs> He's the only person that we've seen ever go Who through thinks, and say, hey, I'm You know, at the time, he, he, he had people defending him on the worldwide leader at the time, just so we know, just so we're aware of that. Le'Veon Bell earlier this offseason saying that he regrets that decision to miss out on that paycheck for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll get back to and clean up the running backs on the other side, and we'll also start the blue chip, red chip cornerbacks here on the GM show. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Well, the clock is really ticking on this running back crusade for these guys in these contract negotiations. We believe that Saquon Barkley is the most likely guy to sign an extension of the franchise tag players. But of Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs, which one do you think is more likely to come to an agreement with their teams at the deadline? 
I would think Pollard. I, I, it doesn't sound like, you know, the Raiders are that engaged in Jacobs, which I don't know why not. I mean, to me, Austin Eckler had a great thing the other day. He said, why, why should I get paid less than a third receiver? And he's right. Like, Jacobs can impact. I mean, the guy had 340 carries. He had over 2,000 combined yards. He's good in the passing game. Now, you know, the reality of it is, can he stay healthy? I don't know, but he's tough as shit, right? And he's got a lot of things that he can do in that offense. And he's effective. You know, it's a little bit like Henry. Do you want to sign him to a five-year deal? No. I mean, Tennessee signed Henry to a three-year deal. But, I mean, for me, and I've always been like this when it comes to running back, I would pay a running back that has the ability to make plays in the passing game, to impact the passing game. Barkley, I wouldn't as much. I mean, the guy averages under six yards a catch. He's not a, he's not a dynamic pass game catcher, but he's got good hands. The problem is he gets into protections. They, they've got to utilize them. Pollard, to me, I would pay Pollard. I mean, I think these guys – I mean, would you if you said to me, who would you rather have, Hunter Renfro at $15 million a year or Josh Jacobs at fifteen? I'm taking Jacobs. Jacob, who would you yeah. rather have, Keenan Allen at twenty a year or would you rather have uh, – uh, you know, uh, Austin Eckler. It's I'd rather have Eckler. I mean, would you rather have? I mean, some of these Christian Kirk at sixteen, or would you rather have ATN? I'd rather have ATN. Yeah, I think the 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 position people focusing so much on the position is why we have these conversations that people I think are missing the boat. It's like we're not saying you pay every running back. We're saying pay the dynamic running backs who impact the game both in the rushing game. And in the passing game, because those are like the weapons that we've talked about all throughout this offseason. And we talked about it during the draft with Bijan Robinson with the Atlanta Falcons. He's one of those weapon type of players. And uh, that's why you saw him go in the top 10 of that draft year. But here's an interesting I quote. I mean, Jacobs from, is an elite oh, runner. Plus, the, yeah. the other thing about Jacobs is he can run every run. Like, Jacobs isn't just an outside zone runner. He, he can run every run. He's an elite runner, and he's an elite yards after contact runner. And that that goes somewhere. Now, do I think he can play four more years? I don't know. But I think he's a really good player. And the way they use him, he almost has averaged five yards a carry, 340 times he toted the ball. I mean, yeah, I'd pay him. Jo- I, I don't Josina know why. He, I mean, to me, I would be looking at Renfro saying, I could yeah. find Renfro. Not that I don't like Renfro. I like Renfro. He's a good player. He didn't play well last year, but I like Renfro. But I need this guy. The back makes the spread. Josina Anderson put out this tweet about an hour ago. So here, so about around six 30 or so West coast time. And she said, though it may ultimately still not result in a long-term deal being consummated by today's deadline. I'm told talks are still ongoing between the Cowboys and Tony Pollard to still make an attempt per source. Always smart to keep talking and keep trying. So that's the latest with Tony Pollard. At least we haven't heard anything like that with the Raiders. In fact, the only thing we've heard with the Raiders is that Josh Jacobs is threatening to sit out training camp if he doesn't get that extension done by today's deadline. So I guess that is the the running yeah, back. What, what, uh, when running backs, when running backs threaten to sit out training camp, Femi, it, to me it's music to my ears. Like it's music to my ear. Like I don't want you in camp. Like seriously, you do me a favor by holding out at camp. This way, then I don't have we don't have to manage around you, right? You know, yeah. I don't have to worry about you getting hurt on some stupid play because some four string offensive lineman fell on his ass and you trip over him. You know, I don't have to worry about that. Just come on in. I mean, I'm I'm worried that you're going to be in shape and got to get your body ready for the contact. But I'm yeah. not worried about. I'm not worried. To me, you do me a favor. Like. 
you know, Barkley, I'm going to hold out. I could threaten to miss the first game. Stop. Stop. I don't really care. You're going to come in on Wednesday anyway the first week. You're not missing a game check. If you did miss a game check, you're giving me back one-seventeenth of $10 million. You're doing me the you're, – you're basically helping me out. Yeah. And, and we don't even see the running backs play in the preseason anyways. Like these guys, like just make sure your body's ready to go for the 17-game schedule, and we'll talk to you come September. Like, yeah, it's like you don't really need these guys to be – it's not like he's a quarterback. It's like, oh, shit, you're, you're running our offense. We need you to be here during training camp. We can pl- plug and play during camp. There's no wins and losses that are attributed to any team during the month of July or August. All right, Michael, let's get to and continue our blue chip and red chip series. We did the safeties in the last episode. If you missed that, make sure you check that out wherever you get your podcast. Let's do the cornerbacks today, and we'll start with the red chip corners. Now, these have some familiar faces. We have some names that were blue chips a year ago, now on the red chips list. And we'll start in Carolina. J.C. Horn, the 30-year cornerback, makes this list. So does his AFC South compadre, A.J. Terrell of the... Atlanta Falcons, Marshawn Lattimore of the New Orleans Saints is on this list as well. And then Marlon Humphrey of the Ravens and Charvarius Ward, who joined the 49ers last season, was really big in that secondary. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Horn and Terrell missed, missed time. So did, so did Lattimore. Lattimore, to me, you know, should have could easily have been a blue, but he didn't play in enough games. I mean, you know, he had the one interception for a touchdown against the, the Eagles. He made a play at seven passes, broke it up, but he missed so much time with an injury. Terrell was the same thing. Terrell's a really good player, missed, missed time with an injury. J.C. Horn played 13 games. He's long, he's athletic, hard to get, you know, hard to get over him. But when he missed the Tampa game at the end of the year, it really cost it really cost the Panthers. But he's got real skill. I think he's an ascending player. I think Terrell's an ascending player. You know, I think Lattimore's an ascending player. And if he's healthy this year, now he's always struggled to stay healthy, Femi. That's the problem with Lattimore. You know, he's kind of struggled to stay healthy throughout his career. But I, I think to me, that's going to be really critical. I thought Ward for San Francisco played really well last year. You know, I think they did more than just play Seattle to Seattle three. I thought he handled it pretty well. And I thought he gave them a man to man guy and people went after him come playoff time. And I thought he held up really well. Yeah, no, these are all corners that are really good. It's funny. We have three of them in the NFC South. I believe last year, because I think as your blue chips, you had Lattimore on there, but it makes sense. He only played in seven games a season ago. So like, that's kind of the, you can't be a blue chip if you're playing in fewer than half the games in the regular season. That's what happened for uh, Marshawn Lattimore, but AJ Terrell, I think for fans of the Falcons, they obviously know about him, but I think a lot of football fans who don't watch Falcons games, because let's be honest, the Falcons have been a bad team for quite some time. So why would you watch them unless you're watching red zone or you're betting on him or your favorite team is playing them. But uh, AJ Terrell is a really good cornerback, but he had zero interceptions last season. Like, like when do you factor in taking the football away when you make this red chip and blue chip real list? Cause I know some of these corners don't get thrown at quite as bit because of how good they are, but zero interceptions that kind of pops out when you look at the rest of the guys. Yeah. I think there's no question you're bothered by it. The first thing I look at is passes defended. You know, sauce Gardner led the league in passes defended last year with 20 yep. Jalen Ramsey had 18. You know, Bradbury had 17. Now, sometimes passes defender because you play more zone than you play man because sometimes your back's turned to the ball and you don't defend the pass as well. You know, so, yeah, that concerns you when you don't. I think you got to make plays on the ball. That's part of showing your skill set as a corner. You're in balance and you can jump. The guy that's on this red chip list that really is a unique player is Humphrey. Humphrey is not a red chip player is an outside corner. In fact, he's below he's a below the line player outside. 
but inside in the slot as a nickel corner and a force player, he's red chip. You know, he can make a lot of plays, and he'll tackle really well. I think solo tackles and passes defended are two key components that you've got to look at. Like Tyson Campbell for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had seventy so, he had, he had 55 combined tack, solo tackles. He had 15 passes broken up. He almost made the list. I mean, those are things that really matter. You support, because if your corner doesn't support, you can't balance your defense. You can yeah. never balance your defense. And so you need that, but you also need to make some plays on the football. You know, Jacksonville's two – I mean, they had two corners last year. People always talk about their corner situation is, is perilous, but they had corners that made a lot of plays on the football. Darius Williams had 16 passes defended himself. So, I mean, you got to – to me, I look at that. Get your hands on the ball. It's like quarterbacks who get too many balls tipped. You know, it doesn't count as an interception, but it's a negative play. It's a negative play. You can't get ball, you got to work at not getting balls tipped. That's why you got guys out there with rackets in front of the quarterback cuz they want, can't get the balls tipped down. You mentioned Sauce Gardner. He is one of the blue chips that we have here on the cornerbacks list, and I think that's a surprise to nobody. The rest of the blue chips are as follows: Denzel Ward of the Cleveland Browns, Patrick Sertan the second of the Denver Broncos. You have Sauce Gardner who I mentioned. Jalen Ramsey of now of the Miami Dolphins and then Jair Alexander of the Green Bay Packers. This is sort of the creme de la creme at the cornerback position. Yeah, I, I think Alex, I mean, Alexander, he gets his hands on the balls, plus he defends. He's got 14 passes broken up, five interceptions. You know, he made 43 solo tackles. This guy's a really good player. And if he stays healthy, he's got more than an opportunity to really raise his game. Sauce was the same way. I mean, Sauce only had two interceptions, but he had his hands on 20 footballs and he made 51 tackles. So you're looking at that. Ward, I like Ward. I think Ward's hurt too much, you know, but Ward makes plays. He missed three games last year at 42 tackles. I don't think he's the most physical corner. I'm not, not sure he's ever going to play a full season, but he had three interceptions. He had one pickup. He forced a fumble, whereas, like, Ramsey forced two fumbles last year. I mean, Ramsey, you could say, had a bad year. 18 yeah, passes defended, four interceptions, you know, 64 tackles. I'm not sure that's a bad year. You know, I'm not sure that's a bad year. You know, and there's some guys that had, like, like Trayon Diggs. You say, why isn't he on the list, Lombardi? Well, I think he's a really good player, but he gives up a lot of plays too, right? I mean, yeah. you, you, you know, he's going to take chances that most of the time aren't there. And so that's why, to me, he's kind of just on the edge. Woolen, your guy from Seattle, I mean, you know, he had, he had 16 passes broken up. He's almost a red chip. I think if he has another year like he had last year, he's an easy red chip. He had six interceptions, 16 passes broken up, and made 46 tackles. Now, you know, they get him to go along with Witherspoon. They got two really good corners in that secondary. You know, the one thing when I was looking at this list here, and it's the obvious trend that pops out to me, but it goes to show you that cornerback is a pedigree position. Of the 10 guys, nine of them are first-round picks. The only one who's not is Charverius Ward, who is actually an undrafted free agent, and it makes me sick because he was on the Cowboys roster. They cut him. He goes to Kansas City, and then obviously he's now had a really good career now with the 49ers. But these are first-round high-pedigree guys who are at the top of the top in the league. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it is. It's hard, and it's an instinctive position. But there's some guys that deserve to be on. I mean, Slay had a good, you know, Slade and, and Bradbury, to me, those guys played well last year, but they were benefited by the 60 sacks from the defensive front. There's no question. 100%. On the other side, Michael, I want to talk to you about Ahmad Sauce Gardner because as a rookie, 
in one season, vaults all the way up to a blue chip. That's a rare feat there. We'll talk Sauce Gardner and some other cleaning up from the cornerback position with blue chip red chips on the other side. to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, Mike, let's talk about my arch nemesis, Sauce Gardner. Just kidding. He's not my arch. I'm just getting Jets fans riled up. I'm kidding. Jets fans, relax. But it is interesting, though, because Sauce Gardner last year came onto the scene as a rookie and was immediately one of the best cornerbacks in football. And I wanted to ask you this question because you've been obviously been watching the game much longer than I have uh, and have written about the game multiple books here. Do, do you remember, and I'm sure there are other guys who also fit into this category as well, but I guess how rare is it for a rookie at that position at cornerback to instantly transition from college to the NFL game and instantly become one of the five best cornerbacks in the, in the league? Well, I think a lot of it was helped by the fact that the Jets are not a complex defensive scheme, right? So what I think like like Stephon Gilmore is a really good corner, and he played well last year. He was in consideration on these lists. I think he's just, you know, maybe just below that red chip is sometimes guys that are playing schemes that don't fit their their, their skill set. You know, or or they just are really good at covering one-on-one man-to-man. You got, you got this guy. And, you know, when they have to pattern read or do some of those things, it becomes harder for them. And sometimes they start thinking and you're not sure what they're thinking. So you kind of they play slower than they look like. I think to me, he, he went to a scheme that was perfect for him. Same thing with Sertan when he went to Denver. You know, it, it kind of fit what he needed to do. And then his skill set kind of accentuated in that in that scheme. He's long. He's hard to throw the ball over. He's got long arms. He can run. Yeah. You know, one thing I don't think we – quarterbacks are not throwing the ball when they can't see the other color jersey. And when you have a big corner that can run and cover up the, the receiver, the quarterback's going to look the other way. You know, it's, I, I wrote about this and I've talked about it before. There's two kind of corners. There's the breakfast corner. Guy has to win early in the route, right? Like Xavier, Xavier Howard for the Miami Dolphins, he got to win early in the route. Like if he doesn't win on the jam at the line, it's over. He's not going to win. The, he's not going to win. Then there's the dinner corner who can win late in the route, plays off coverage, can read the pattern and then break on the ball. And some guys have, can do both. Some guys can do both. Rare, but some guys can. And so when you see that, you know, when you see that kind of skill set and their ability to break on the ball and have instincts. And when you play a lot of zone like the Jets play, I mean, they play a lot of t- Seattle three. It's a man concept coverage, right? Everybody thinks it's man. It's not. It's 90% zone, but it's a pattern recognition coverage. So, they, you know, they can kind of get a feel for it. And he plays it, and he's hard to throw the ball over his head. It's why Richard Sermon was so effective in the yeah. scheme. Richard had great ball awareness. He was a receiver at Stanford that transitioned to corner. It's hard to throw the ball over his head, could catch it, had extended catch radius. Those things all matter. It's like you say, well, Bradbury and Slay, you know, they played a lot of zone in Philadelphia last year. I think both of them played well. Bradbury played better than I thought he would play. 17 passes defended, you know, but he only made 39 solo tackles, right? So he wasn't really always a run force player. Same thing with Slay. Slay had 40 solo tackles. I think both of them are really good. Are they close to being red? Yeah. They both got paid. 
And for Philly, it makes sense because Philly wants to continue on down that road. I'll tell you a guy who played well last year, too, is Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson yeah. played well for them last year, made a lot of tackles, turned the ball over, had five interceptions. Yeah, he's sort of like an ageless wonder. Now he's in Pittsburgh there with the season that he had with the Minnesota Vikings. And I think it's interesting to have this conversation with cornerbacks because it's something that I keep in the back of my mind, but it's so easy to get caught up by just the result of what happens on a singular play. But how much does a pass rush benefit a cornerback? And I think it works both ways. It's oh. kind of married between the pass rush and the, and the corners and the safeties. Pass oh. rush and coverage kind of works in in, in concert together, but – I do think that having a really good pass rush can help out some of these guys because if you only have to cover for two and a half seconds versus three and a half seconds, even though that's only one second, that's a big deal, isn't it? It's the only the only thing that really can slow down a pass rush. Coverage doesn't slow down the, the a great quarterback. Pressure. Pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you only have to cover. It's it's the old five Mississippi or three Mississippi. You know, we played the backyard. If you counted a three Mississippi, not many people got open. If you counted a five Mississippi, some guys got open. It's the same concept in football. You know, if you're going to pressure, you've got to find a way to win early in the round as a defensive back. That's what made that. That's why it's funny that that all these guys they give the quarterbacks no love from the another era. <laughs> Do they realize that the fucking corners could jam the shit out of everybody? Do they realize that that uh, you know that there was not a five yard penalty that the receivers had a hard time and and then you had to be pinpoint accurate with the football plus you're getting the shit kicked out of you when you threw it so you know all those dynamics go together I I, I mean it's all about the rush that's why to me you said you said all those corners are picked in the first round yeah you need them there's no question you need athleticism and you need guys that can do it but but you got to find somebody to get the quarterback on the ground or, or pressure the quarterback. That's the most important part of the game. Put all your resources in off, like the Eagles have done, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, right? That's the Eagles' mantra. And then that makes all their other players look better. Whereas if when Bradbury's at the Giants with no pass rush, he got cut. Yeah, I think that's a perfect example there. And that's that's always been my philosophy. Maybe it's because I that's in high school, that's the position that I played offensive line and defensive line. But like I'm like, the game is one up front, man. Like we have all the fantasy football and like everybody loves the skill guys because they're terrific elite athletes, but it's the big boys that are usually deciding who's winning these games yeah. in addition to the quarterbacks and the head coaches. Um the honorable it, mention it's who can so, pressure the quarterback. I, I mean, it's a little bit like Lombardi when he's talked about, you know, Lombardi had this saying blitzing is this form of weakness. Because what what he meant by that was when you have to send more guys to get to the quarterback, you you're, you limit you you basically hurt another area of your team. When you can rush four like Philly could do and get there and pressure, not sack as much. Philly had sixty sacks with their defensive front in the regular season, but when you can pressure from the front and and get hurries on the quarterback, you know it's like people talking about. We were talking about this on the show yesterday. People are betting Aiden Hutchinson to be the defensive player of the year. I mean, it's a St. Jude's pick if you're making that bet. It's the dumbest play of all. The guy had nine and a half sacks. He only had 15 hurries. Like he's not beating out Micah Parsons. He's not beating out Joey Bosa. He's not beating out Nick Bosa. He's not beating out Miles Garrett. Those guys get pr- hurries. Hurries are what we should be talking about. Yeah. Because usually if you get a lot of pressures, eventually the sacks will come as well. And guys sometimes who have high sacks but low pressures, it's like, all right, you're opportunistic, which you should be, but maybe it's not as great of an indicator that you're a really good pass rusher. 
Yeah, he kind of fell into some of them. Yeah, he fell I mean, Carson into Wentz it. gave him about three to four in that that Commanders game. <laughs> I'll tell you that right. <laughs> yeah, sure did. I mean, he, he should give him a little some of that some of that love there for what he was doing. You wonder why um, he hasn't been signed yet. I mean, he yeah. hasn't been signed yet. There's what? How many quarterbacks are employed and he's not one of them? Good luck. Yikes. The honorable mentions, just for the fans who are wondering where these guys were at um, and who did not make the red chips. These were four guys who were close to doing it. You mentioned Trayvon Diggs of the Dallas Cowboys, Tyson Campbell of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tariq Woolen of the Seattle Seahawks, but then Jack Jones of the New England Patriots, who was sort of like the forgotten, really good rookie corner because you had Sauce Gardner doing his thing with the Jets. You had Woolen doing his thing with the Seahawks, but Jack Jones was really awesome on the field for the Patriots. Obviously, we know what happened earlier this offseason, getting into a little bit of trouble there at the airport, but in terms of being a football player, there's no real questions about Jack Jones. Yeah. Oh, this this guy can make plays on the ball. This guy's instinctive. I mean, this guy, you know, his this guy's off the field has hindered his on the field for most of his career. Going back to, you know, when he when he when he's a five star player, he should have gone. He went to Arizona State, you know. So if this kid ever gets his life in order, I mean, there's no telling how good he can be. There's really no telling how good he can be. Unfortunately, he's got to get his life in order, and it it, it and it starts with being smart, you know. Just common sense, which isn't common in his case. Taking a gun to an airport is not common sense. Yeah, no, that's that's just foolish. So hopefully he can get himself in order because he's a terrific football player. And we always like to see these guys be able to succeed. Uh, let's clean up some other news and notes before we get out of here, Michael. Uh, Quinn and Williams last week there. This would have yeah. led us, but we had so much other news that came out that we had to push this down here to this segment. But Quinn and Williams signs four years, $96 million to stay with the New York Jets. That extension comes right before training camp gets underway later on this week. Uh, were you surprised that he ended up getting the most money for the defensive tackles? I mean, he was awesome last season there. I'm sure he's going to come up on the blue chips list when we talk about interior defensive linemen, but he just eclipses Jeffrey Simmons of the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I mean, 28 quarterback hits last year, right? I mean, and, and there were so many deals around him, it was easy to do a deal. I'm sure the Jets would have liked to have gotten a fifth year on it, but it was too easy to do. You knew this was going to get done. I don't know what the Jets are doing with Corey Davis. They have this huge salary cap number on their team. I think he's $10 million in paragraph five. You know, they still have to fix the Rodgers thing. You know, they pushed all the Rodgers money into 24. Are they going after Dalvin Cook? I'm told it's going to be on, if they can get him on the cheap, which I don't think they're going to be able to do. But it'll be interesting to see. I thought the Williams deal was a no-brainer. You know, the guy dominates from the inside tackle position, which is hard to do. Chris Jones coming up next before Chiefs training camp? Yeah, I thought yesterday that Chris Jones's redo deal would allow them to get a little bit of room to sign Hopkins. But, look, when you put $26 million on the table over two years for Hopkins, I mean, come on. You know, I mean, who's matching that? that you, you can't make that up in a lot of incentives, especially when you've got so many good skill players around you. Yeah, no, I'm sure Hopkins is thankful for Tennessee's desperation there. Uh, we also saw Joe Mixon, as we kind of put a bow on this running back conversation, Joe Mixon, he restructured his deal to stay with the Bengals, taking a pay cut, just about $4 million each year this season and next season. And we kind of talked about this on our show yesterday about how this is maybe Mixon and his agent, their camp sort of assessing this running back market to where it's been yeah. shallow waters and saying, all right, maybe it's just the smart play to stay in Cincinnati and be on a winning team and perhaps get another buy at the apple down the line. Yeah, and I think without Sammy Perrine there, maybe they'll use him in, in more of the passing game too. He might have to be the more complete back. 
you know, they, they're going to have to use him and and find out who's playing that nickel role. Can he handle the protections? And so it gives him an opportunity to make up some of this money and in incentives. I think it was a smart deal for him, and I think it was a smart deal for Cincinnati to hang on to him. You know, the more continuity you have and the comfortability with the running back for the quarterback is really important. Do we see Dalvin Cook get signed before training camp? Does he wait until an injury happens? Like, what's what's the what's the latest with Dalvin Cook? Because Hopkins, that domino is falling. Thankfully, I mean, if Hopkins gets paid, I think Cook's going to get paid. I think somebody's going to pay him. They should pay him. He's a good player, and he makes a difference in the passing game. What about Zeke Elliott, real quick? I think Zeke's going to have to wait because I think not a lot of people are playing are paying for an inside the tackle runner. I think that's the issue. He's a good short yardage back, but that's not something yeah. people want to pay for. I feel bad for my guy. Hopefully, he can find somewhere uh, and can sign on yep. with a deal. But that remains to be seen. That does it for this edition of the GM Shuffle Podcast. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We thank all of our listeners and our viewers on the YouTube page. Keep engaging with that YouTube stuff. Comment below the video. We love to see all those comments there on the podcast feed. All right, well, that does it for us. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman. Thank you to you, Michael. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Visa. And we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Training camps will be underway, and we'll have another episode of Literature and Leadership. Look out for that coming up later this week. I'll talk to you Thursday then, Michael. Thanks, Femi.